I want to introduce you this morning to a couple of witnesses. You know about witnesses, right? People are appearing in a court of law to help clear up a situation where injury had happened, damage had occurred. They're trying to make things right, make things just. And they bring their testimony to try to make the best of a bad situation. So here's the first episode where an attorney and a witness are in the the court. The attorney says, how do you know what happened? The witness said, well, I had one eye on the parked car, one eye on the approaching bus, and one eye on the woman behind me. Here's another one. Attorney says, tell us what happened that led up to the accident. Witness says, as I approached the intersection, a stop sign suddenly appeared in a place where no stop sign had ever appeared before. I was unable to stop in time to avoid the accident. This is the last one. The attorney says, why were you speeding? The witness says, I know I was going fast. I was trying to get the snow off my windshield so I could see where I was going. I think we're all familiar with the concept of being a witness in a trial, placing your hand on the Bible, swearing to tell the truth, with the goal of straightening out a baffling situation, making clear what the truth really is, applying justice, and eventually bringing peace to a situation that is perhaps confused or chaotic. In the time of the Bible, the same concept of the service of a witness was common. They were used in legal trials, disputes between neighbors, meeting out justice to those who had harmed others. But today we're going to begin examining another type of witnessing. It's a type of witnessing that Beth was just explaining to the kids, hearing the stories of the people in the Bible to help us understand what's going on with our lives. In the stories of the Bible, we're introduced over and over to people, ordinary people, day-to-day kind of people, people like you and like me. We're faced with everyday life trials, suffering, shame, sometimes guilt, sometimes joy, sometimes failure, sometimes success. And the ancient world of the Bible was filled with stories of those kind of issues that now we face exactly the same way today. But some people in history and over time are chosen by God to receive blessings or instruction or guidance. They were allowed to experience God's power, to experience God's instruction, His love, His his providence for their situations. Those experiences allowed those people to become, in their lives then and in our lives now, witnesses, witnesses to the struggles, witnesses to God's provision and blessing. And the testimony of those witnesses shows us so much about the people that we are, the God who loves us and blesses us, and how all that defines our relationship with our world and with God. We look back on our lives, we're seeing how and why God moved in their lives, the lives of these witnesses, and the results of the God's hand in their lives, and we get to see in a very personal way who God is, why He does what He does, what does He want for us. So, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the lives of some important Bible characters. Not just to meet their personalities, their quirks, their weaknesses, their strengths, but more importantly, to see how God moved in their lives, how God touched them, instructed them. We're going to find out more about where we came from, why we are here, and where we are going based on the stories of those people. That's called faith. These are the very foundations, the building stones of our faith, and they're all rooted in these stories. This faith defines us. 
It decides and determines for us what we believe and how we use that faith in our daily lives. And also that faith, turns out, transforms us into witnesses as well. That's right, you are a witness. You serve the same valuable purpose as the heroes of faith in the ancient Bible times. So we're going to begin with some scripture that sets the stage for us. These words are from the letter to the Hebrews, and they begin at chapter 11 and also at the beginning of chapter 12. Listen now that by faith we might hear God's word for us today. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what, was seen, what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our faith is what grounds us in living. It explains to us and is the proof of the things that we cannot see. And the witness of those who came before us, our ancestors in faith, they serve us with their testimony. This crowd of witnesses strengthens our faith and allows us to focus on living a life that honors Christ. Faith is about life living, about finishing our race well. So what we're going to do is we're going to hear some stories, stories of these ancestors of faith. A lot of these stories you're going to know. We're beginning our ser sermon series with Abraham. Abraham, by all accounts, was a standard kind of guy. He was a son. He was a husband, a brother. He was a family man. He and some of his family moved from one town to another, and there begins the story of the people of Israel. God spoke to Abraham after that move, giving him specific instructions about migrating to a distant land, giving him promises about the future, Abraham's future, and the future of his family. This is what God said to Abraham in Genesis. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make into you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed by you. Abraham listens to these instructions, and he begins over a long period of time to follow them trusting that he has heard the word of God to him. He also trusts that God's intentions are to prosper him and his family. Abraham has a story to tell, a story of a man who listens to God, who trusts and obeys, not knowing yet what is to come. Here's another episode in Abraham's life. This is a time when there's a dispute arising between Abraham and his nephew, Lot. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. 
This was a time in ancient history when quarrels over water and land would lead families and communities to shatter with the conflict. But Abraham chose a path of generosity and care for his nephew. The story continues to reveal that both of the families prospered. It was a wise decision on Abram's part, and it resulted in God's favor for everyone. Abram's history, his story, tells us about God's moving in his life. It's a story of kindness and fairness and care for a loved one, which honors God who has blessed him. Here's another scene from Abraham's story. Abraham is bemoaning that, to God that he has no children. He has no heirs, and he's fretting that no one will inherit his wealth. God responds with an answer that has to be both encouraging and frustrating for Abram. Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then God said to him, so shall be your offspring. We know that God kept his covenant with Abraham, providing him with a son Isaac in his old age, although it took 14 years from the day of this promise until the day that Isaac was actually born. Abraham's witness had a story to tell story of frustration and doubt, answered by God with promise and hope. Here's another scene in Abraham's life. You've probably heard it before. We're told of a moment where God decides to test Abraham's faith by asking him to sacrifice his long-awaited and only son, Isaac. You know the story. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. What a frightening story to a parent. What a torturous request for a father. Abraham's witness tells a story, a story of a man whose faith is so strong that God can trust him with the heaviest of all burdens. Abraham's witness has a story to tell, a story of God honoring those he loves and rewarding those who obey him. Honestly, we could tell many other stories of Abraham, his encounters with life, his encounters with sadness and frustration, his encounters with joy and celebration, his encounters with God. Abraham's witness, the stories of his life, they reveal to us how God's hand moves in the world. We understand that these stories are so powerful now that 2,000 years later, the writers of the New Testament referred back to Abraham's time and told his stories frequently. And now another 2,000 years after the New Testament, uh, was written, we also tell these same stories. But we recall that these stories are not about Abraham. They're about the God who called Abraham, the God who loved Abraham, the God who provided for Abraham, the God who made promises and kept them to Abraham. Some of these problems 
promises could only be fulfilled with the passage of centuries. The arrival of God's people as the, the chosen promised land would not occur for another 600 years after these stories. And even today, the birth of every new child of God into this world adds to the people that are as numerous as the stars. Abraham is still witnessing to God's love every day with his story and his witness. So today, with confidence, we can identify and define some of the truths that Abraham's life is an indicator of, is a witness to. Abraham testifies to us over all the centuries that God has chosen specific people in the calling of them to the work and the land and the benefit of his people and to God's own glory. Abraham's life bears witness to us that it is God's will that we show fairness justice and compassion to others so that all may prosper. Abraham's witness to us reveals us that God takes our burdens and our frustrations and uses them to bless people and to glorify God himself. Abraham's witness makes it clear that when it seems that God himself is testing us and when we respond with trust and obedience, that he does continue to care for his people and he honors his covenants. In the New Testament, there's a story in John's gospel where Jesus is speaking to his disciples one day, teaching them through the witness of his life about the truth of God's love and compassion to his people. Listen to how Christ explains to his disciples that being one of his followers followers implies that they too will become witnesses. Jesus said, this is to his disciples, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father He will testify about me, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Witnessing to the joy of godly life is not only a role for ancient patriarchs. Christ extends and expands the witness of his life to all who follow him. Every Christian will have the burden and the joy to share the good news of Jesus and the stories of their lives in the witness of their experiences. So now, we pause at that so what moment that Chad is so fond of. Does this mean that we are become witnesses? Witnesses of faith like our father Abraham? We will have lives that are good stories to tell, that testify to God's goodness. Of course we are called to be those witnesses. Jesus explains that as the Holy Spirit reveals God to us, we reveal God to the world. Do you know, you are already a witness that you are already testifying about God in every day. Here's one way of looking at it. This is my simplistic view of uh, being a witness. Life happens. You're familiar with that, right? After life happens, God provides, protects, blesses, instructs, covers us with his love. Next, people sense that love and are aware of God's presence or they don't. And then people are faithful to God's love, to God's instruction, to God's will for them, or they're not. And then those same people can testify, they can witness about God to other people in the world, to their family, to the community, to the world itself, or they don't. If you claim to be a Christian, and you allow that to be known to you, your family, to your church, to your community, to your neighbors, to the people that you work with, if they know that you are a Christian, 
For better or worse, you are witnessing your faith to everyone that you meet. If you wear a cross around your neck, if you wear like a good friend of mine does, a giant gold nugget ring with a cross on top of it on his hand, if you have a bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus, if you've ever told someone, yeah, I go to church, then you are a witness. Perhaps you are a witness like Abraham at his best, revealing a life, your life, blessed with honor, honesty, faithfulness, perseverance, and trust. But we have to admit that we are like Abraham. We're not perfect. Abraham had his moments of deceit, fear, disgrace, shame, as all of us do as well. But Abraham was also deliberate about trying to honor his faith. He was careful in the important moments to be the man that God called him to be. His faith outweighed his failures. His trust outweighed his fears. His obedience overcame his tendency to stray from God. That faith and trust and obedience are such compelling stories that we still study and discuss them thousands of years later. And they can be compelling and important stories in our lives that we share even today. And so as we begin this new sermon series, learning how the people of God have learned to bear witness in their faith, their trust, their very lives, to allow God to reveal Him to us. The stories of the witness of the Bible characters is not a story of ancient characters, people with curious life events. They are stories about a God who chooses His people, who guides them to wisdom, who honors their faith, who provides for their needs. We hope that you'll join us in the coming weeks to hear more of the testimony of these witnesses, further evidence that God has moved in the lives of His people over many centuries, and that those stories continue to inform us about what we believe, what's important to us, how we understand our lives today. And then we will see how we too can become a people of faith whose lives are a witness, people who can testify to God's goodness in our very own stories. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your holy scriptures, stories that are written by people, but inspired by you, that you might use them in our lives to teach us. Open our eyes to the stories of your people who are witnesses over the centuries, witnesses of your truth and love. Use us, we pray, according to your will, that we too may bear witness in our lives. For we ask it in Christ's name. And all God's people in one voice said, Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. We'll see you next time.